0: You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: It's not an easy time to be a Chicago Bears fan. It hasn't been an easy time to be a Chicago Bears fan in a while. But today's guest is here to commiserate with you a little bit and help diagnose some of the problems. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Today's podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use our promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your next order. On the show today... We'll be joined by ESPN's Sarah Spain. She's well known in the Chicago sports world. Of course, now at the national level with Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. And we're going to talk about everything going on right now with the Chicago Bears this offseason. We'll touch on some Chicago Bulls and Chicago Cubs as well. We'll go through some of her background as a Chicago sports fan. Her new venture as a part owner of the Chicago Red Stars, including how she got a former Chicago Bears player to join in that ownership group. I might add, we'll really kind of go all around the docket here in what was a really fun conversation. I was super excited to have Sarah on the podcast. It was one of those like almost meet your hero type moments. For me, I've always looked up to her as a broadcaster, not as a female broadcaster, but genuinely one of the best at what she does regardless. And I'm really glad to have had her on the show. And I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Joining us now on the Locked on Bears podcast is ESPN's Sarah Spain. She is now part owner of the Chicago Red Stars National Women's Soccer League team. She's well known in the Chicago area as a Bears and Cubs and Bulls and just general Chicago sports fan. And Sarah, super happy to have you on the podcast today. How are you juggling everything that you've got going on in your life right now?
0: Not well, I would say. Uh, yesterday, I had a, a, a two meetings: one at two and one at three thirty. And I called the three thirty at two. And he was very kind and didn't mention it, so that by the time I was done, I realized I was now a half hour late to the actual person I was supposed to be talking to. It too. So, uh, my Jenga, uh, you know that I usually have well oiled and ready to go, has been falling apart lately. But uh, I'm going to get back into it soon.
1: Well, I know on your podcast, that's what she said with Sarah Spain on ESPN. You start out by helping other people with their dilemmas. So let me let me throw one at you real quick. Okay. All right. I'm an NFL general manager. I've got Nick Foles, but. but I want mm-hmm. a better quarterback. Right. And mm-hmm. I, I call the Seattle Seahawks and, and they just won't trade me Russell Wilson. They want something better in return than I can possibly give them. So that's not an option for me anymore. What do I do? How do I how do I make my football team better?
0: Wow, this dilemma sounds familiar. Um, so it's been very easy to criticize the signing of Andy Dalton and for good reason, particularly for a team that's been mired in mediocrity at the position for the duration of its existence. That being said, I don't really know what the other options were. I mean, it's particularly frustrating because you could have had Andy Dalton last year for $3 million and not given up draft capital. And instead you went out and gave pieces up to get Foles, who now isn't good enough, which requires you to add Andy Dalton for more than twice as much the next year when you're now short on cap space. It's all a mess and it's all a little bit too predictable for Bears fans, Um Looking at the landscape, though, if you wanted to take really big swings at a Deshaun Watson or a Russell Wilson, which it sounds like they have, at least on the Wilson front, we know that for sure, they weren't in a great position to do so. They didn't have a quarterback they could give either team in a trade. They didn't have a high draft pick that could ensure that that team could draft the quarterback they're looking for. And as far as giving up pieces of the team, how much do you give away without then trading away your your durability and your success on the defensive side in order to finally get a quarterback that you want and it sounds like they really did their best with russ so would i rather that a month ago they had gotten a better version of a retread than andy dalton instead of going after the big swing with russ probably not because i like to see that they're trying um i just don't know that i don't I, i don't To me, it feels like this is a waving the white flag for Pace and Nagy. I don't know how they keep their jobs unless Andy Dalton is shockingly better than we imagined. And the team is much more successful this year. It felt like they needed a Russell Wilson type or some massive move in the draft, which I guess could still happen, um, kind of move to save their jobs and give them a chance to turn this around and not have us be entering yet another rebuild in the front office and coaching positions.
1: Yeah. I I hear the defeated Chicago bears fan inside of you. Yeah. Yeah. Do do you find it more exhausting to be a bears fan now than it was to root for the Cubs before 2016? (laughs) Not that the bears are are as bad as the Cubs were, but in terms of like the, the toll it takes on you as a fan,
0: the difference for me is in every sport, I just want to believe in the people making decisions. And so with the Cubs, when it was the Tribune ownership and it didn't feel like a very concerted effort to succeed. It was just about being pretty good and making enough money as soon as it turned over. And it felt like the Ricketts wanted to win and cared about winning and prioritize it. As soon as Theo Epstein arrived, I was like, okay, Theo is one of the smartest guys in baseball. He's done it before he's going to do it here. I'm going to be patient. And if he tells us what he's going to do, which is what he did, he's, it's going to be ugly for a couple of years. And then we're going to be in contention. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, that's, what I like. So even though the Cubs are frustrating now, perhaps, and I'm not sure what their rotation is going to be doing. Um, I'm hoping Jed Hoyer's side-by-side partnership with Theo for all those years means I can believe in him. The frustration with the bulls forever and the bears forever is I don't know if the people in charge are ever going to get it. And that means who they hire to run things. And that means who they draft and how they you know, I mean, the Bulls have been disappointing since the Jordan years, other than a blip with Derek Rose, where they lucked out in the lottery. And the Bears have had one season at a time of 10 or 11 wins, and they can't sustain it at all. That's management. I don't know how you can have successful teams that never have a couple back-to-back division wins or a couple playoff appearances. It's always like a flash in the pan, and then they don't manage it well enough to keep it. And so that pattern I think is is probably more frustrating than the Cubs were going up and down, especially because it's like I said, the same position, right? Like, screw up a different way for once. <laughs> Let us have a great offense and a crap defense for once.
1: They they almost got there with Mark Tressman. like they were they were testing it a little got bit. Where they, they almost got to the crap defense and the good offense. It was, there you go. It was yeah, close, but, crap but on
0: both sides really. Yeah, <laughs> but
1: like so, like does that when you say management? I mean, does that ultimately end up? being ownership. Like I mean, is it hard to yeah. is it hard to find hope on I know you're now part of the the professional sports ownership world. So right, you don't want right. to take bad shots mouth. at my
0: at my people. Yeah. Um no, it is. And that's the thing that sucks in sports is you can always hope for a change at coach or GM. There's not going to be a change at owner. It rarely happens. These things are way too valuable. And so um you've got, you know, sort of the famous ones like the the Donald Sterling or you've got um, you know, the teams that sort of feel like until this person has moved on or passed on, we're not going to be able to get anywhere. James Dolan's a great example of that, right? If you're a Knicks fan, you kind of just shrug and say, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen with that guy at the helm. And I do worry that that's the case with the McCaskies and, um, you know, and this bears, it's just, it's just, you know, it's hard to though. I, I, I try to play devil's advocate and think, of other teams around the league that have sustained disappointment. And we're not alone, right? We at least have (laughs) these blips, but it feels like it's about time for a bit of a run where, where again, though, where we have, if if we're going to fail, let's just fail with a great quarterback instead of continuing the same model that hasn't worked.
1: (laughs) If it was only that easy, right. But it hasn't been. And that's been, most of my life and most of Sarah's life as well. And we'll kind of go back through some of the origins for her of how she developed her Chicago sports fandom and how that built up into now being the owner of a Chicago sports team. Next on Locked On Bears. The March College Basketball Tournament is one of the most fun times of year to get in on some sports betting at betonline.ag. I was able to get a little action in on Oral Roberts over Ohio State, a little bit of Loyola Chicago over Illinois as well. Some big upsets can cash in pretty nicely if you play your cards right at betonline.ag. They've got spreads, money lines, and point totals for every college basketball game in every round, including the NIT tournament as well, and bets for all sports, NBA, football, basketball, Baseball, golf, hockey, soccer, tennis, you name it. If it's a sport, they've got odds for it at betonline.ag. It's the number one place we trust and the number one place we recommend. Sign up today for a free account and use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So where does your Chicago sports like allegiance come from? Like, I, I know you grew up in the Lake Forest area and stuff, but like, was there a particular person or, or experience early in your life that shaped this passion for you?
0: Um, You know, it's funny. So I was born in Cleveland and people are always, if they see that on my bio, they'll be like, oh, so when, you know, how did you decide to switch? And I was like, okay, I was... Uh, I was a child and thankfully my parents aren't really into sports so they didn't bring along any Cleveland allegiances to the Chicago area. It does get um, worse, you're right. <laughs> yeah, no offense to Cleveland and and certainly the Browns are more hopeful than we are now, but I would have missed out on all the Jordan years and been, you know, a, a fan of the Cavs and Browns. So, um I was an athlete from a very young age. Like my sister and I were just super active and even though my parents don't really watch sports, they they were very active in them. So we were just always out and about I was very tall. It was, you know, six feet tall by the time I was 12. So I was playing every sport and that was around the time of Jordan. So, you know, how could you not get caught up in that? Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was probably a different story than most people would imagine. It wasn't, you know, grandparents or, or dad taking me to games. It was me, you know, finding this thing that I was obsessed with and then sort of forcing it upon my family where I took over the TV for every Bulls game and stuff.
1: <laughs> so, so if you told that six foot tall, 12 year old Sarah Spain that <laughs> one day she would be the owner of a professional women's soccer team in Chicago, no. do, do you think she would believe you? Not possible. No, kind of like I remember one of the early years when I was working at ESPN
0: 1000 as an update anchor, I was tossing to um, there was going to be a bulls game on the air that night. And I was doing stuff right before tossing to those, the pregame show and something like Bill Wennington said, you know, thanks, Sarah, you know, always Sarah, what what a great, you know, whatever. And I was like, <laughs> Bill Wennington just said hello and knows my name. Wow. Right. And then I'm doing the last dance coverage this year, pre and post with uh, Cassidy Hubbard. And we're having on all BJ Armstrong and all these old bears on, or sorry, old bulls on. And I'm like, man, the high school me would be just losing it right now. So on a regular basis, there is there is almost always a part of me that's like, how is this my life?
1: Yeah. Was there like a moment over the last couple of months where like the, the team ownership in particular hit you? Like where you where you felt that change of like, oh, I'm I'm part of this exclusive club.
0: Um, kind of. It's weird because it does feel very cool. It was a very big investment for me. I've never invested in anything. And It's a big chunk of change for me. But I'm not Jerry Jones. Right. I don't have a monocle and a top hat and I am not like out on my yacht on the weekend. So um, it's it's a it's a change in name more so than like lifestyle or anything like that. Yeah. But it is meaningful. And for the last three months or so, we've been on on Zoom meetings every week for an hour or two at a time. And really tackling everything from, you know, do we play the Anthem games to what's our percentage of concession sales to what's our contract with the stadium and how are we changing merch sales and all those things. And so it's been a great learning experience and it does feel meaningful to be a part of wanting to change how we invest in and address and promote women's sports and and how they've been run. Um, but it certainly isn't like I'm suddenly, uh, you know, walking around making sure everybody like, you know, checks out my, my Rolex and, you know, uh, Jeeves, you know, I, I'm going to need a driver now.
1: (laughs) Well, like, like when you go to the rooftops at Wrigley, like, are and you're trying to get in the door, are you saying, Hey, I'm from ESPN? or Are you saying, Hey, I'm a part owner of the red stars?
0: (laughs) Uh, well, of course you don't need to say anything. They just know.
1: Oh, yeah. Excuse me. Some of us, yeah, no. part I of the actually have a really but... funny
0: story and it's such a humble brag, but I do find it funny because it's genuine. It's real. Um, I ended up with a bunch of the Cubs um, at Carrie Woods. Woody's winter warm up. I'm often one of the quote unquote celeb bartenders, and it's always right around the Cubs convention. So the year after they won, it's January after they've won in November. Everyone's still super fired up about the World Series. The whole team is there that year because the convention's extra blown up because of the win yeah. and I'm hanging out with, um, Mike Montgomery, who was, you know, the guy who threw the final pitch mm-hmm. and, and won the game. And his, uh, his fiance then now wife actually approached me and was like, Oh my gosh, I love you. I remember seeing you on TV. And I thought everything you said about the Cubs during that playoff run was so smart. Nobody else got it. And I was like, Oh, that's nice. We start talking. My husband and I end up talking to Mike and they're like, Hey, the team's going to underground for an after party. Do you want to come? And I was like, uh yes <laughs> so we hop in 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 like an uber with them and we're on the way and mike's like i don't i'm you know i don't think their cell service is working so i'm not sure where we need to go in here or how like what, what we tell them at the door and i'm like you're mike montgomery like you won the world series we're gonna be good <laughs> and we walk up to the door and this big bouncer guy has a uh, little uh, radio and he's like sarah spain walking in i repeat sarah spain sending sarah spain down and he was like, wow. what the? And I was like, this is the coolest I've ever felt. I promise <laughs> you, this is this is not a normal thing. I don't ever come here. This is the coolest I've ever felt.
1: <laughs> oh man. Well, like because like you have you've built a lot of connections, especially among, you know, prominent Chicago people. And I know like I had heard that you helped recruit uh former bear Israel Adonaj to, yeah. to join the Red Stars ownership group. Uh, what is that conversation like? Did you call up, hey <laughs> Izzy, you want to buy a soccer team? Like
0: oh uh, I don't have Izzy's phone number. I should now that we're part of this ownership, I should I should hassle him for it. But, you know, what we did is we like kind of looked around the landscape of Chicago and thought about people that would make sense, and particularly for me, people that are in my orbit. And I don't know Izzy super well, but from doing a couple events for his foundation and from just interacting with him a couple times and looking and watching from afar as he's built businesses and been really interested in a sort of disparate number of things outside of football, I felt like this is somebody who... Um, would be interested in this, and I was really pumped that he was. There are a couple other former Bears that I sent, in, you know, stuff to that that passed, or maybe were a little interested and then decided against it. Um, but yeah, he's been so great to have in there. Like, it's been really so. He and Michael Schofields, who's uh, Kendall Coyne Schofield's husband, um, who is currently a free agent, just finished uh, the last season with the Panthers. He's a
1: guard, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And a Super Bowl champ with the Broncos, Um, having them in the room and really being able to share. This is our experience as professional athletes. And we understand that the financials are always going to be different for an NFL team versus a women's pro team. But we want to get as close as we can to how they felt, where their focus is on the sport, where whatever they need is taken care of so that. There's no way that that affects performance on the field and we have the best shot of winning. And so especially when you have a a majority owner in Arnhem who's been at it for like 13 years and has gone through the ups and downs to to really change his mindset of things are different now. We have a massive safety net. We have way more leverage. The league is changing. So whatever ideas you had before about what we can or can't afford or how to run things need to be shaken up. And those two guys are great at doing that because they're like, "Uh uh-uh. Do we have this? Do they have this? Do they have this? And then wanting to figure out how to give them the best, which is great.
1: Yeah, it sounds like they're great people to just have around the organization and kind of leading you guys in the right direction. We'll take a look at where that direction is and what's next for the Chicago Red Stars next on Locked on Bears. College basketball isn't the only exciting bracket going on right now. We're piecing together the best flavors of built Bars head-to-head to to find out which one truly is the best of the best. Because they all taste good. They're all low sugar, low calories, high fiber, and of course, high protein and covered in 100% real chocolate. But we've got to find out which flavor is truly the best of the best. And in our sweetest 16 round, we're on to the matchup of coconut versus white chocolate birthday cake. And I'm a big fan of birthday cake flavored anything, or even just regular birthday cake, but I'm not going to lie, right before I started recording this podcast, I had a coconut built Bar, and it was delicious. I have a whole box of them in my cupboard, and I, I can't vote against one of my staple flavor of built Bars. You got to try the flavors for yourself, and then vote at builtbar.com. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your next order, at builtbar.com. You touched on this a little bit early on, but like, what's your goal? I I could understand like being a part of the organization for like, oh man, I want to be able to accomplish all of these different things and make these, you know, this big impact. But like, how do you, I guess, how do you properly set realistic goals for the kind of impact and influence you can have versus, you know, the bigger picture of what you'd really like to do?
0: So I think one thing that's helped me is because I've spent so much of my time covering these things for my work is I understand the balance between a massive need for more investment, for treating women's pro sports like a startup business where you are not immediately looking for ROI within one year, where you're over committing because you really believe in the product and you're willing to take losses early for a massive gain later. We don't run it like that. We run women's sports like a cause. In fact, in the WNBA, it blows my mind every time they publicly talk about how many losses they take, because they're doing that to sort of offset criticism of not investing enough. And no one would do that in a business. They're doing that because their connection to the NBA and they almost want to be like, give us credit, pat us on the back for doing this. And that's not how a business is run. So we need to get away from that and get into a full on this product is great. We need awareness. We need people to see it. We need coverage. We need good storytelling, all of that so that people have a chance to fall in love with it, which they will. And we have to believe in that and invest in it. Now, the balance to that from my work is sustainability. There have been some efforts, for instance, on the National Women's Hockey League side, there was this woman who was really young and ambitious and really wanted to crush it and wanted to pay the players a lot and have great benefits and all that. It wasn't sustainable. And the way they ran it wasn't gonna work, it didn't last. So in the abstract, it's great to cry for better pay, better training, better facilities, everything else it has to be done with the right business sense so that you know that you're creating something that's going to be around for generations to come. So this new ownership across the NWSL is super important because it's just a bunch of people that have the money and the influence and the connections to make a massive leap and to really give it a shot to thrive instead of just humming along.
1: Yeah. How much of that is the need for money versus the need for influence and connections? I mean, obviously.
0: I think it's both. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think
1: it's but. This business needs money. I mean, obviously to, to grow up, but like, right. you got to convince people to watch. I mean, I mean, once they watch, they get it. So, I mean, can you just pay people? I mean, can you spend enough money on advertising to get eyeballs enough to see that this is such a, a quality product? And then it builds from there. Or like how much of that is, is getting the right other people involved? It's both
0: for sure. Um, uh, You know, right now, a lot of the great folks that are in ownership at the NWSL at our team and other teams are, Um, You know, for instance, we have Julie Haddon in our ownership group. She's CMO for the NFL. She is spending every day on calls with companies creating massive brand deals and sponsorships and um, and all that. So, you know, you've got consumer marketing for the NFL, think about all the people that you're meeting on a daily basis that you then talk their way over to the, to the NWSL as well. Um, We've got major players in the entertainment industry that can create incredible stories around the team um, pro bono, presumably, or at least at a lesser rate than if we had to go out and hire people who are massive higher ups at networks and companies to get into it. Um, one of the women on our ownership group was, uh, I think 11 years at Netflix before coming on as a VP at impossible foods. So all of her experience is emerging brands like look at something like Netflix going from what it was to blowing up, look at impossible foods in the way we now look at beyond meat and other meat substitutes in a way that just a couple of years ago, you would never see them anywhere. And now they're sort of omnipresent. So having minds like that, that know how to run these aspects of our business is huge. And then connecting us to all of the spaces that they've been working in that aren't the retreads of where sports folks have been trying to find sponsorship dollars and otherwise. Um, and then it's just about for me being cool. (laughs) one thing we do with women's sports is we infantilize them and we make it all about inspiring young girls that's great but we don't do that with men's sports because men's sports are cool and people want to be a part of them and talk about them at the water cooler and wear the gear because it's social capital we don't treat women's sports like that even when they are like the u.s women's national team are the biggest bunch of badasses that everyone wants to be around and watch and talk about and we need to keep that energy that fierceness and that passion and that athleticism and competitiveness instead of it always being here's another photo of one of our players with a little girl that's nice it's not cool though
1: yeah that's a really good point I, I guess following up on that I think of you know like Rose Lavelle you know, going from Washington yeah. to, to but going to the EPL like how, how do you keep or and retain and attract that the top U.S. talent that people I mean I have a Rose Lavelle jersey in my closet right now nice but like you know, if she was on the Red Stars, I, I might be a season ticket holder at some point. You know what I mean? Like, how does the league keep players retained that way?
0: First of all, I love that you heard cool and you were like Rose Lavelle, because that's absolutely correct. I, I went to college cool, with so her cool. and I,
1: I knew her at, uh, at Wisconsin. Oh, nice. She's a she's awesome. phenomenal just, human being. Just
0: such a badass. Yes. Queen of the nutmeg. Although we keep trying to f- think of a new name for it. I think I went with the egg scrambler. Uh, Ooh, but either way, yeah. uh, she's amazing. And yeah, so. I was actually that was one of the first things I asked uh, when I was approached about ownership, and even I think before that, when I was just talking to Julie Foudy about it, um, that you know what's is this something to be worried about? And and for the most part, the answer I got was they would much rather be playing in the U.S. The NWSL is still the best league, best competition. This was mostly about COVID in the U.S. being completely out of control, and there was not any ability to. Um, to play in the U S right. The challenge cup was extremely successful, but it was a short run. And at the time there were a lot of question marks about whether the U S would be having any sports. So it felt like the right move for those women to go play abroad. And it feels like there will, they will all be coming back. And in the future, that 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 shouldn't be an issue. But that's part of why we as owners need to continue to make their experience as good as possible so that they aren't tempted to go abroad. And, and a lot of those uh, teams out there have really deep pockets, right? Because their EPL teams yeah. on the men's side are funding a lot of what they do. So that's a fight for us to have to keep up with.
1: All right, last thing before I let you go, if you could pick right now, either the Chicago Bears win a Super Bowl next year or the Red Stars win the NWSL championship next year. Ooh. Where, where is your allegiance?
0: That is actually a good question because my gut absolutely instantly says the Red Stars because we've been on the precipice. We've been to, you know, six straight semis. We're, we're always in the mix and we haven't gotten that first title. But on the other hand, the Bears <laughs> are just so much longer, so many more decades of futility. And I've been hearing about the 85 Bears my whole life without being old enough to actually appreciate them in any way. Oh.
1: Do you want me to give you a cop out answer? I think I I think I know how to cop this out if you need one.
0: Both. Why not both? Well, no, I think <laughs> I,
1: you you pick bears because the Red Stars are gonna be able to do it on their own anyway this year.
0: Oh right. That's a great point. I won't have to do it. Well, I will hopefully as an owner be doing something that help. <laughs> but um yeah, you know what? I'm gonna use my ownership to get the red stars a win and the magic that you're offering to get the bears to win.
1: Excellent Sarah. Well, it feels like sometimes (laughs) the bears need some magic to be able to win, but I certainly
0: do. (laughs) I appreciate you. Honestly, I'm so pathetic that I'm still like, maybe the draft, maybe they're going to like do something and then they're going to get And Now I'm like, why do I, why do I do that to myself? (laughs) Somehow,
1: somehow you can't shake that even after decades. It's the
0: hope that kills you as Ted Lasso would say.
1: Yeah. Uh, Sarah, I appreciate you joining us to commiserate with us and, uh, I'm really looking forward to all the great things you guys are going to be able to do with the Red Stars. I'm I'm seeing a lot of bright future over there in the NWSL.
0: Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks again to Sarah Spain for joining us on the podcast today. If you enjoyed our conversation, make sure you subscribe to Locked on Bears to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. I really do appreciate Sarah making some time for just a little podcast like this one. She's got a thousand things on her plate every day with a national radio show and her own podcast and sports ownership now. And to be able to carve out a nice little 20 or 25 minutes for us here was just, it was a blast for me. And I I really do hope you enjoyed it the way I did. We'll get back to more of your hard-hitting, in-depth Chicago Bears free agency breakdowns as the rest of the week goes on. Seems like the Bears still have some more moves ahead of them, still more holes to fill in this roster, so any and all Chicago Bears transactions, you can be sure we'll break it all down for you five days a week on the podcast. So I hope you'll keep following along with us throughout the offseason. We've got the NFL draft to start getting ready for here, and a first-round pick this year again is kind of a fun new experience for us to participate within those first 32 selections so we'll start getting ready with some prospect breakdowns in the coming days and weeks some scouting reports calling upon our friends in the nfl draft community and a lot more fun coming your way to help you kind of get through these weekends and this long off season with no real chicago bears football but i hope the podcast helps you through it and helps make it just a little bit easier to bear down